The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hey everybody, how you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the show. Uh, This week is going to be a a very short one. Uh, I had these intentions of recording all this content during the Boston Tattoo Convention, and I was just way too busy to do any of that. So I have a couple little segments uh, while I was waiting to to load in. I talk about some of the different challenges of doing a tattoo convention, some of the things I was looking forward to. I had every intention of of doing like a daily recap, um, doing some content during my class, and just none of it came about. You know, you'll you'll hear it uh, towards the end. I recorded something right when I got home. Uh, when I was just super beat up. Pretty busy weekend, you know, I did around, uh, I don't know, I'd have to even look at the exact numbers, 50 or 60 piercings, something like that, which, you know, in and of itself is is a lot, but then there's, you know, loading in and teaching a class and, and doing all these different things. So it was, it was three very long days in a row. Uh, I got home yesterday and had to just go straight back into work, um, you know, unloading everything and then doing that scarification documentary. Uh, and then today, you know, I... I uh, technically have the day off, but I have to finish all my classes for the APP seminar. The deadline was actually yesterday, so I have to get those in today. Uh, i got to make sure that's done. I've got three different classes that I'm working on this year for conference, and all the presentations and all the handouts are currently due. So um, just polishing those up. I have safe practices in the piercing room, two sessions of that. That'll have a handout. I have the new Bedside Manor class with Jesse. Uh, that one has a slideshow and a handout. And I have the Piercing Young Miners class with Becky Dill. That also has a slideshow and a handout. Uh, Becky's doing the uh, the bulk of the work on the slideshow for that, but I'm handling the handout. As of right now, uh, it looks like everything is completely done, so I can finally submit those over to uh, Sarah Wooten and, and kind of be done with it. And then... Uh, maybe I can actually have a, a little bit of time to myself. I, I was thinking about maybe going to get a massage or something. So, uh, listen to a little bit of the content I made at the uh, the Boston Tattoo Convention. Keep in mind that I I do have some uh, some good interviews scheduled for next week and the week after at least. I have um, I have an interview with. Uh, British piercer Alex Wilkins and uh, U.S. piercer Monica Sabin. Uh, we talk a lot about APP membership for that one, uh, so I'll have some good content coming up for you, but this week, a little bit on the, the lazier side because I am just super, super tired and beat up. Uh, I'll answer a few uh, Q&As, you know, maybe some stuff that was submitted through email or maybe through the, uh, the Tumblr inbox. So uh, thanks for listening. Here's a little bit of content for you, and uh, make sure you come back for next week. Okay, so it is about 11 o'clock in the morning on Friday, April 27th, and uh, I'm getting ready to load in for the Boston Tattoo Convention. Um, I think it's the 17th annual convention, and this is the 17th time I've done it. So uh, I've gone from venue to venue. Uh, It's been at a couple different places, you know, and it's grown a little bit every year, and now it's at the Heinz Convention Center. And, uh, you know, for anybody who's been to trade shows and you go to those really large ones, you know, for car shows or for whatever, you know, like giant comic cons, it's in that kind of a space. Like it's a big, big place. You can't do a hand carry anymore. We used to be able to just kind of pull our car up in front of the hotel and 
bring our stuff in through the front and uh, go ahead and set it up. And now uh, I'm kind of sitting here in a, in a queue full of cars, um, waiting to go into the loading bay. And uh, I was just told that can't go in until 12 o'clock. So gonna be sitting here for a while. I thought I'd maybe record a little bit of audio um, and just kind of talk about uh, tattoo conventions. You know, uh, tattoo conventions for me, I, I'm not. I'm not really into them. Uh, you know, I, I come to them because of the exposure opportunity. You know, I, I want to be able to meet new clients that uh, might not necessarily uh, come to come to my shop in Nashville, New Hampshire already. So, you know, it's nice to uh, to build a clientele of people in the Boston area. You know, as I've said a couple times in the show before, my shop is uh, about an hour north of Boston. So, it's nice to be able to give people those. Uh, Alternatives, you know, if maybe they haven't found the right fit for them at a shop in uh, in the Boston area, or maybe if they live somewhere in between Boston and in my town, uh, I might be a, a better fit for them. I might be a little bit easier to get to. Driving in Boston is kind of a nightmare for me. You know, it's one of those like you know you have the dream that you're at school naked kind of thing. You know, uh, anytime I know that I have to drive into Boston, I get a little bit of a, a panic attack. Um, the, you know, I I don't really like hectic cities, um, and especially when I'm driving a car that's like packed to the gills with supplies. So it uh, can be a little bit challenging. I can't really see out of my side windows, so I'm relying pretty heavily on my uh, my side mirrors to be able to navigate through, through traffic. So uh, I'm here. I haven't gotten in an accident. Um, I actually did get rear-ended uh, going to my girlfriend's house about two weeks ago got rear-ended by somebody who just didn't stop, uh, you know, when we were coming off of a, a highway exit and uh, smashed into me and, and smushed in my bumper and, and my uh, my spare tire compartment. So uh, I, I was without my car for about two weeks. I had a gigantic rental. I had a Ford Excursion, which is like a monster of a vehicle. It's the, the largest truck that uh, Ford makes or largest SUV that Ford makes. And uh, it, it, it felt like I was driving a boat for the first couple of days. Then I got kind of used to it and I was thinking, oh, well, this will be awesome if I'm about to go to the convention you know I'll be able to fit everything I have you know plus a little bit more into there and uh, I had to give it back yesterday so you know Thursday is typically the day that I, I do most of my packing and then I you know I, I come out here Friday morning and uh, Thursday morning late afternoon uh, early afternoon uh, I got a call saying that my my car was ready to be picked up and I drive a, a Subaru Forester which uh, is not a, a giant SUV from Ford. So um, I could fit everything that I need, but just barely, you know, I had to go a little bit minimal on some of my supplies, which, uh, you know, sometimes can be a little nerve wracking if you come to a convention, you know, you don't want to feel like you forgot something or that, you know, you're not doing something to the best of your ability. So got everything in here. Uh, now I get to just basically sit and wait and set it up. Um, big difference for, for this year is I bought um, one of those pop-up, shelters a, a, a big like vinyl tent basically to kind of put over my booth space uh, so I can have a, a, a little bit of more hygiene and a, and a little bit more privacy too you know every year I get people saying um, you know are you doing nipple piercings uh, are you doing genital piercings things like that and I usually have to turn them down because you know a convention is really not an ideal place to do stuff like that you know number one for privacy uh, but you know, I figure, you know, nipple piercings are such a huge trend that, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd better be able to offer that this year. So got a full tent, uh, three walls, and then I've got a, a panel on the front that has a door in it. So should be pretty good. Um, I can make it, you know, maybe uh, feel or look a little bit more hygienic. You know, it's, it's tough working in a, a tattoo convention because it's basically just open air. You know, they have pipe and drape kind of separating aisles and, uh, 
you know, booth perimeters, but that's pretty much it. You know, you have like a folding chair and a table when you get there. And if you don't bring the rest, you don't, you don't really have anything. So, um, I'm going to be putting down a plastic floor and then I'm going to basically be putting up my little kind of breaking bad meth lab style plastic tent. And, uh, you know, I, I think that'll be, be pretty good. You know, I also like to improve a little bit every year. Uh, I've got my, my statum with me, which, um, you know, the first couple times I, I brought my statum to the convention, I got a lot of weird looks from other piercers, you know, being like, oh, isn't that a little overboard? You know, you're, you're bringing a statum to a, a convention. Why don't you just bring prepackaged materials? And, uh, and now pretty much everybody here has a statum with them, you know, and, uh, I, I think statums are, are so widespread now that, you know, you, you feel kind of weird working in a place that doesn't have one, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are lots of studios, especially higher volume studios that have, that have a down for what they need packaged and everything. But if you can't afford to have $20,000 worth of backstock sitting around in packages every month, you know, a statum is really what you have to do, you know, and especially if you don't want to bring like a giant footlocker full of jewelry package, you know, uh, if you want to be able to bring just a couple little plastic sorter bins of, uh, of jewelry, you know, you're going to need a statum for it. And it's nice just to be able to handle my own sterilization. You know, there were years in, in the past where I didn't have a statum yet. And, um, you know, if I needed to sterilize something on the premises, you know, I'd have to kind of use the default sterilizer that, that some tattoo conventions would have. And, you know, it was not a sterilizer that you wanted to, uh, touch, you know, let alone put your materials in and, and trust, you know, you didn't really get to see spore test. You didn't know what, how it was maintained. You didn't know who was touching it, you know, or, or whatever. And, uh, you know, sometimes you would, you would come to pick up your load, uh, after an hour or so, and you'd find that somebody else just took it out and stuck it right on a countertop next to it because, uh, you know, they had to get their stuff running. So not an ideal situation to have to rely on, on anybody, anybody else's materials or, uh, you know, equipment or anything. So, I like to be pretty self-contained, you know, I bring my own copier for IDs and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I like to be able to just kind of do my thing and, and just, uh, you know, bang out as much high quality work as possible. Uh, got my jewelry and, and that's always really tough to, to figure out what you're going to bring and what you're going to leave behind, you know, same thing. You don't want to feel like you're missing something. Uh, but you know, I, I, I focused on gold, uh, number one, because that's, that's, you know, what gets the oohs and ahs. Uh, and I, I'm pretty successful with, with gold every year. Um, so I wanted to make sure that, uh, somebody's getting waved in next to me. I wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, I have the right stuff that, uh, that clients are wanting. So got my gold, uh, I've got a fair amount of titanium stuff, you know, the neo-metal options, um, brought, uh, I've been getting a lot of people asking for curve clusters and I completely completely sold out of those from Anatometal, like didn't have any left at all. So, um, luckily, uh, in, Intrinsic helped me out quite a bit. They had just a few in stock. So I got to grab maybe like eight off of them, uh, had them within just a few days. So that was really awesome. You know, a uh, big thanks to Jeremy for helping me out with that. Uh, other than that, like I am, I am so low on captive bead rings for how many date piercings, uh, I, I've been doing lately. So I, I scrounged, uh, whatever I had left, you know, so I've got some three eighths. I've got some seven sixteenths. I've got 18, 16, 14 niobium. I even had to bring a couple of steel rings with me, which, you know, I almost never pierce with, you know? So, so for steel, I, I basically kind of like inform people of, um, why I'm not really stocking a lot of steel. And if they're comfortable with, with me using steel on them, then I'll use it. Uh, and if not, then we'll either wave it off or we'll find an alternative material. Um, 
But steel, you know, with its nickel content, I always like to warn people, you know, if you have really sensitive skin, you know, steel might not be the best option for you, but if you feel like you don't have overly sensitive skin, if you haven't had problems wearing other earrings or jewelry before, uh, steel would probably work out just fine for you, you know, and it's implant grade steel, uh, implant certified steel, it's uh, F-136, so I mean, it's not like it's uh, garbage junk or anything like that, but you know, it's just not my, my personal preference. I'd say, uh, my number one material for like my soft spot is, is gold, you know, but then as far as like, uh, my workhorse material, that's going to be titanium. But then, you know, titanium rings are so stiff that, uh, you know, if you're doing a lot of, uh, ring style piercings in, in a day, you know, if you're trying to use titanium, you either have the strongest fingers in the world or you have bruises on your fingertips, basically. So um, I like to use niobium. Uh, for, for people that aren't super familiar with niobium, uh, a lot of you might have seen it uh, come as like a black material, thinking that it's, it's naturally that way, and it's not. Uh, so niobium in its natural state is a, a silver tone, just like titanium, just like steel. And then to make it black, they actually use a, a heat charring process, so it's it's not um, it's not like anodizing. You don't put it in a, a you know a bath with a electrical current and and build up a color on the surface. Uh, you can anodize niobium if it's uh, it's natural silver high polish surface finish. So when you order something, uh, let's say from an Atometal, if you order a niobium ring, uh, default I believe they still send them uh, high polish black. Um, and the first few times I was thinking about materials, I was saying, well, I'm having a really hard time bending these titanium rings, even at smaller gauges, you know, 16 and 14, I was still having a lot of trouble bending titanium by hand. And I don't really like to use tools on rings because I don't want to, I don't want to potentially scratch things and, you know, I don't want to potentially pinch the client. So I, I prefer to do everything by hand. Uh, I was using steel for a really long time, and steel can be annealed, meaning it can be softened with a heat process. So you can bend it by hand reasonably easy. Um, and when I switched to titanium, uh, you can anneal titanium, but it doesn't really make much of an impact on it. You know, a, a very, very slight difference, but it's still going to be very difficult to bend my hand. So uh, I started thinking like, well, what are some other materials that are safe that they can make rings out of uh, that are silver? and I, I can bend by hand. So uh, niobium uh, came up on my list. Niobium is a, a natural element. There, there's no alloying with it. Niobium is just pure niobium. So you don't have to worry, you know, is there this, is there that in the material? Uh, it's, it's just that, that pure uh, element, basically. So it's uh, reasonably soft. It's actually a little bit softer than, than steel, uh, annealed or unannealed. So, uh, you know, I, I went with that, but when I first ordered, I just said, give me some uh, niobium rings and they all showed up black, you know, so I, I was selling those off for quite a while and, uh, you know, I had to learn the hard way, you know, how black niobium is made and um, how you order niobium. And when you order niobium, you want to specifically ask for high polish because otherwise uh, you get uh, you get black. So anyway, enough of a, a rant about niobium. Uh, I've, I've got them, I've got some rings, I can do some dath piercings, I don't have a lot of clusters to put into them, um, but I do have some gold rings. You know, I've got some stuff from Body Vision, I've got some stuff from Body Gems, I've got some stuff from Leroy. Uh, another mix up on, on my end with Body Gems, unfortunately, I ordered some gemmed rings, and uh, I, apparently I just forgot to specify the diameter and, and whatever, uh, for whatever reason, their default diameter for that style was typically 516ths, that's what, that's what they would send it out as, and that's a little bit smaller than I'm comfortable with starting date piercings. So um, I had to you know, email back and, and say, can I get these swapped out for, for 3 eighths? And uh, um, those ones didn't make it in time, unfortunately. But I, I have been stacking orders pretty frequently, 
and uh, I got in another order just like three days ago that had a few different gemmed rings on it, so that'll be good. I've got some options, uh, rose gold, white gold, yellow gold, to give people, because um, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's weird that um, just an hour south, like the trends are completely different, so I don't know if dates are going to be like the big hot thing this year, you know? I don't know uh, if the same stuff that I'm doing up in Nashua is the same stuff that people are going to be asking for down in Boston. I guess it depends on, you know, what's cool on social media and, and what's like getting put out in the, the local shops here. So, um, my hope is that date piercings, nipple piercings, uh, nostril piercings are all still like the hotness, you know, uh, I've got a lot of good stuff for that. If people want to do, um, other things, you know, uh, Rook and Tragus and Septum and everything I am also set up for that but I don't have quite as many options with me so um, hopefully I, I picked right and uh, you know we'll see how uh, how my bank account looks next week and you know these these conventions are really expensive so uh, you know if you if you factor in having to get a hotel room for a few nights um, having to take a few days off of work and and paying again poor Evan poor world's most patient piercer Evan uh, to cover for me again, uh, and then uh, parking my car, and then the booth fees. The booth fees are, are more and more and more every year. You know, it's worth it because they, they have a lot of production value on the show, but, you know, it does pinch a little bit. Uh, you know, when you think about your bottom line, you know, if it costs you, let's say, $2,000 to do a, a tattoo convention, you know, if, if you're not getting a good amount of business from it, it can, it can really put a hurt on you, you know. I, I'd say maybe the good side of that is that every year there are fewer and fewer low-end piercers uh, at, at this convention. Um, there was one year where, you know, somebody had a, a hand-drawn sign that said, all piercing, $20. They spelled piercing wrong. Um, so, you know, that's not a good sign. But, you know, it's it's annoying to compete with uh, somebody like that. I wouldn't necessarily call it compete, but I, I mean, I guess it is. But, you know, when you have somebody like me or like one of the other uh, piercers here, you know, like Joe Giuliano, Brian Moeller, uh, a couple different people are going to be here. Seeing someone putting all that work and all that effort into bringing good jewelry, you know, bringing their statums, bringing all the equipment that they need to offer a piercing safely, you know, and that they're not just like wedged into a spare chair and a tattoo booth, you know, like they have an entire booth dedicated to just piercing so they can offer the, the safest service possible. To see those piercers have to compete with someone who, you know, maybe they have one little box of material, um, they're, they're just using acrylic, you know, garbage jewelry that they bought for 50 cents, you know, and then they're, they're turning around for 20, 25 bucks or something like that, uh, you know, and all they brought with them is like some gloves and maybe some, some iodine and, and like a Sharpie, you know, uh, it, it is really disheartening to see that, but it is also good to see that, um, the market is responding to the quality because, you know, every year there, there are fewer and fewer of them now to the point where it's probably just going to be, uh, you know, good quality, all internal thread, uh, good quality jewelry, good quality sterilization piercers almost exclusively. And maybe we'll get like one low end piercing. But the coolest thing about this show, uh, because I've worked with them, you know, like I said, since the first year they've done it is they actually set a mandatory minimum for a piercing. You know, I don't think anyone is allowed to perform a piercing for less than 40 or $50 here, which, you know, might not sound like a lot, but it does make a really big impact because when those clients are, are walking up and down the aisles kind of price shopping and they see 
you know, somebody like me or somebody, you know, like another APP member or, or another like educated, experienced piercer, uh, and, and they're offering piercings, you know, sometimes they're offering quite expensive piercings depending on the jewelry, but you know, if they're, uh, like basement price is going to be like around that $65, $70 area and they're, they're seeing, well, you can get a $65 piercing here and they're doing all these bells and whistles with this good quality everything or, you know, this booth that, that looks like they don't care about what they're doing, you know, and they're just doing it to make a buck, but, you know, they have to charge 40 or $50. That does make it a little bit easier for the client to, to see the benefit uh, and to, you know, hopefully move towards one of those those better piercers. So hopefully my my big goofy tent is going to uh, make an impact this year. You know, every year I, I try to get some some really good signage to, to kind of make myself stand out from the crowd, you know. Uh, big, bold, colorful banners. Uh, you know, this year I've got that uh, that white tent and I've got some gigantic uh, purple banners to put on each side to say, you know, high quality jewelry, body piercing and this and that, you know. Um, so hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll get a good amount of people. Uh, I'd say last year I did maybe around like 50 piercings, uh, over a three day weekend, which, you know, it's not insane, but, uh, you know, it's, it's enough to, uh, to make a profit on a convention like this. So looking forward to it, I guess maybe, uh, maybe I'm looking forward to Monday. I'm maybe looking forward to looking back on the convention and being like, yeah, I did great, but I'm not exactly like psyched about it now at whatever o'clock in the morning, uh, getting ready to, to load in all my stuff, uh, and get set up and, and, and do this again. But, um, I'm ready for it. And, uh, Sunday I'm, I'm teaching my class, you know, I've been hammering everybody over the head about it over weeks and weeks and weeks. I'm, I'm doing my piercing needle bevel theory class on Sunday. Uh, I've got a good, uh, turnout of people. Uh, I got about 15 people for this one, which is, is good for one of these seminars. You know, I, I appreciate them showing up, you know, it, it is a little bit limited in, in time. What's available for the schedule. I've got about two hours to work with. Uh, I'm going to do my slideshow, which is usually the, the opener of my full day classes. Usually that slideshow takes about, uh, an hour and a half to two hours on its own, but that's because I really take my time and I really slow it down and I really invite a lot of questions. I think this year I'm going to try to not rush through it, but I think I'm just going to try to go through at like a, a, a normal organic pace, you know, and maybe get the slideshow done in an hour to an hour and a half. And then I brought some materials to do, uh, kind of like practical, uh, hands-on practice for, for the attendees. So I've got some, uh, some synthetic skin, some, some foam that they can pierce. Uh, I've got a, a bunch of needles donated by Industrial Strength LLC. So that was really nice of them. I've also got a little like goodie bag of, uh, of swag from them to, to give out to all the, the attendees. Uh, I've got my stickers. I've got my Defend Piercing t-shirts. Uh, a couple people have pre-purchased them and I brought a, a couple extras. And those are going to be for um, attendees of the seminar only, I think, at this point. I don't know if I'm going to... Uh, end up putting those online or not. I, a couple of people have suggested to me maybe making a t-shirt for the podcast um, or, or whatever, you know, like the, the podcast really isn't about making money for me. So, uh, I mean, it, it certainly would be nice to, to, I don't know, generate something off of it. But, you know, I, I really look at it as, you know, I'm trying to share information and, you know, maybe trying to get some people interested in my classes or, or my piercing services. So that's not really a chief concern, but I just like the whole like defend piercing kind of ideal. You know, I think a lot of people are at a tipping point where they realize that piercing guns are kind of on their way out and that it's, it's really not, 
it's really not worth their time or, or, or their money anymore, you know? So, uh, you know, it's just cool to see people kind of like pushing and educating clients about, uh, you know, the, the dangers of piercing guns. So I, I thought I would make a t-shirt kind of based on that. I feel like I'm rambling at this point. So why don't I wrap it up and then maybe I'll uh, record a little bit more after one of the days. Uh, maybe I'll record something, you know, tonight after the first day or maybe tomorrow after, after Saturday. Saturday is usually the bulk of it, you know? So if I do... 50 or 60 piercings this weekend I'll probably do about 75% of them on Saturday uh, the doors are open from noon to midnight so it's not going to be a short day it's not going to be an easy day but uh, I'm looking forward to it and I'm totally ready I'm going to have uh, Sam Kelly our uh, one of our receptionists from, from back home at the shop she's actually our, our tattoo apprentice also but she started out on the counter so she'll be here uh, helping me out tomorrow uh, my girlfriend is going to be tattooing in uh, a different booth, actually, but, uh, you know, we'll be at the same show, so it'll be good to see her and um, kind of unwind at the end of the day. So uh, I will give you some more updates as I go. Maybe I'll record a little bit during the class on Sunday, and maybe I can talk a little bit about uh, about the show with some of the uh, the class attendees. Okay, so um, you might have noticed that I did not record anything uh, Friday night or Saturday night because I was so crazy busy. It was uh, pretty awesome. Boston Tattoo Convention 2018, uh, great success. Uh, Friday, uh, load-in was, was you know, crazy, and I got to, had this new vinyl tent thing, um, and uh, I ended up having to to move it because it was too big for the the hallway blah 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 so i moved it in this other space set it up and everything and, and uh, the layout was good and a uh, good amount of clients i, I think i did maybe like a, a dozen piercings on the first day um doors opened at four i worked till about like 10 or 11 uh, so that went well saturday was insane um you know big thanks to sam kelly uh my receptionist that was there helping me out um it was basically back to back to back uh pretty much all day you know maybe there was like a half hour break here and there but um pretty much over the the course of the day i think i did uh maybe something around 30 piercings or so uh or in in jewelry changes um and uh went really well uh, again you know just kind of crashed out and then uh sunday today uh instructed my class and it was uh, pretty rad uh good space uh, there was a machine building seminar right next door and uh, i kind of felt uh, guilty for maybe shouting over them a little bit but they had buzzing tattoo machines so i didn't really feel all that bad um kind of zipped through my slideshow and uh took some questions and then just jumped right into the practical stuff you know um uh, thanks to uh, Joe Giuliano for picking up a big bag of bananas for me. Um, thanks to Industrial Strength LLC for donating the uh, the needles used in the class. And uh, we basically kind of talked through how piercing needles work. You know, the whole point of the, the class was to talk about um, drag and, and needle dynamics and bevel theory and all that stuff so it was cool to kind of put it to use you know we um we did some demo piercings on bananas and you might think it's silly but it's a really good way to show how uh, a piercing needle cuts through the flesh of the fruit you know the same way uh, in like the skin of a person so um it could really show that needle drag and you know i saw a lot of uh light bulbs going off over people's heads and uh, applying the needle in a different way and, and getting a different result. And it was just cool seeing it click. You know, you, you think of a class, you put together a presentation and, um, you know, you hope that uh, you're kind of articulating the information and it's nice to see uh, that it is that it is working for people. 
My voice probably sounds a little bit raspy because I had to basically like shout talk to people for three days in a row and then teach a class, like shout teach a class over a bunch of tattoo machines that were buzzing 15 feet away. So um, pretty awesome, uh, really energized by the class, um, really good group of people, uh, you know, just hanging out. Uh, some of them stayed and uh, watched me do a few piercings at the convention, um, had a pretty good run of that, you know, for maybe about three hours or so, pierced maybe another, uh, you know, dozen or so people and then packed everything up, loaded it into my car and uh, drove home and uh, got a cheeseburger on the way. So uh, live the dream. Pretty, pretty crazy weekend. It's going good. Tomorrow, Monday, I actually have to go into work early, unpack everything, set the jewelry back up before we open up. Uh, and then I have a production company that wants to record me doing some scarification for a documentary. Um, third one in a year. So, I mean, it's really cool to see that. Um, not all the projects have been uh, finalized and edited and, and posted or published or, or wherever they're going to be. One out of the three has been. Uh, I posted about it on Facebook a little while ago. And uh, there's another one called Art Attack um, that was basically following me doing scarification with uh, a host who was basically trying to like conceptualize, like learn uh, the, the art form and, you know, each episode is a, a different kind of art and whatever. So they did an episode on scarification. Um, they're working on editing that. It still hasn't been posted yet, but uh, I, I've heard that it's making really great progress. So looking forward to seeing that. So short version is uh, after busting my ass all weekend and, and shouting quite a bit tomorrow, I have to go into work, perform a scarification piece, get recorded and interviewed by a production company. And then uh, I can have one day off before I, I get back to work into the office and uh, start working on some body jewelry orders. So um, never ends. Uh, I don't mind. Uh, I, I like it. But um, you know, thanks for kind of sticking with me through the uh, the Boston Tattoo Convention weekend. And uh, again, thanks to everybody who came to my class. Um, getting some good momentum moving forward on my classes, Chicago and San Francisco, and uh, getting a lot of interest for the uh, Pacific Northwest, uh, Portland, Oregon area, probably sometime in the fall, and uh, got to finalize that London class for the end of June. So things are going great. Got a lot of momentum. Looking forward to it and uh, record some new podcast episode with some guests uh, on the way. So thanks for listening. Bye. So uh, I'll do a couple little Q&A things just uh, to give you a little bit of extra content for the week. Uh, this first question is an anonymous question submitted via Tumblr, and it just says, is it okay to use UV tapers for stretching? Um, no, I, really. I, those, those tapers that you see in stores that have um, little O-rings with them, those aren't meant for stretching. Those are meant as jewelry. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, some people want that tacky uh, ear fang kind of look. That's what those tapers are intended for. They're not intended for stretching. The graduation on a taper like that, uh, you know, where it goes from the smaller side to the larger side, is way too steep. Uh, and if you try to force that through your piercing, it's not going to gently uh, taper you from one size to the next. It's probably going to tear your ear up. Um, those are, are they're really abused by people um, stretching way too much at a time. You know, sometimes people have like 14 gauge earrings and they buy a two gauge taper and they slowly shove it through over the course of just a couple of days and there is no physically possible way for your ear to stretch that fast even if it doesn't quote unquote hurt a lot or if you can get it in there 
um, you're, you're tearing it basically. So, you know, you have to be really cautious. If you want nice, healthy looking earlobes, you really slowly want to go from one size to the next. Insertion tapers are really only meant for helping you install jewelry that's maybe uh, one size up or sometimes even just a half a size up. They're really not meant for forcing your piercing open. If there's ever uh, blood, if there's ever um, like a sharp pinchy sensation, um, that, that means you, you tore the, the piercing. So be really cautious. Tapers uh, should be considered a professional tool in my opinion. The same as forceps or a, a needle or anything else. They should really only be used by a professional piercer. Um, and just avoid any of those acrylic ones that you see in any sort of accessory stores or on cheap websites. You know, if they're made out of plastic, they're not going to be something you want to have in your body, whether it's for a stretch or for wearing or anything. And especially if it's sold with O-rings, that's jewelry. That's not a tool. Okay, this next one says, I've been getting pierced and going to my shop for years, but I feel like on my last visit, I was judged by my usual piercer and felt strange. Granted, I had my mom in there, which isn't a usual practice for me, but my question is, did I do something wrong? Absolutely not. Uh, bring a parent, bring a friend, bring anybody. That's that's your right as a customer. You're, you're allowed to bring people with you to share in your experience. Um, Maybe don't think that it was necessarily uh, your body piercer judging you. Um, it might have just been, you know, random, random thing, you know, misunderstanding, uh, wires crossed, whatever. They might have been thinking about something else or maybe looking at something behind you, you know. Uh, I really don't think a piercer would judge someone just for, for bringing in their mom, but, you know, if they did... Maybe it's time to, to find a different studio. You know, people shouldn't judge you just for something simple like that. Um, I can't imagine why a piercer would judge for, for having a mom. Um, but, you know, sometimes people have off days, too, for their customer service. So try not to hold it against them. Uh, you know, if you have a, a regular relationship with that studio, definitely go back. You know, if you get that same vibe uh, maybe a, a second time, maybe consider different studios. But uh, I think it might have just been a, a misunderstanding. But, you know, you can always vocalize those things to your piercer. Send them an email. Say, hey, you know, um, did I did I say something to, to upset you? Um, did I break some sort of like shop etiquette uh, or, or something like that? It could have been something you might not have even thought of. Sometimes customers really handle their piercings a lot in the lobby, and, and sometimes that can be kind of a pet peeve for piercers. Who knows what, what it might have been, but uh, I don't think you really have anything to, to worry about. It might have just been a perception or, or a miscommunication. All right, this next one uh, says, Hello, I would really like to get my nipple pierced, but I hear a lot of girls complaining about the shape of their nipples after they're pierced. Can the nipple be swelled and deformed permanently? Is it systematic or is it due to something in particular? Uh, thanking you in advance. Sure, a, a piercing can uh, distort the, the shape of a nipple. Um, typically not, though. So if the piercing is performed well uh, by someone who knows what they're doing, you know, maybe has a good freehand technique, they should just be piercing with the nipple, um, you know, especially with, with complementary jewelry. So if you're distorting the tissue or if you're using maybe a clamp and you're pinching up something that isn't actually the nipple, you know, if you're piercing into the areola a little bit, which is a very common problem, unfortunately, sure, you can definitely get a little bit of, of something that looks like distortion because basically you get a little bunch of scar tissue on either side of the nipple. You get that scar, nipple, scar, kind of triple nipple look, you know, so uh, it's really important to pay attention to the, the, the quality of the piercer, uh, not just the quality of the studio, not just the quality of the jewelry, um, you know, it, it also depends on the, the person performing the work too, so if someone isn't very experienced, 
Sure, they can absolutely do things that um, might make your piercing not look good uh, visually, and, and sometimes that can be permanent, you know, with with scar tissue. So, uh, really pay attention. That's where portfolios really come into it. You know, ask to see pictures, ask about their experience, uh, and and word of mouth. You know, you can check out review websites, but uh, you know, talk to your friends who might have gotten work done there, and, and talk to them about their experience. Uh, if uh, if you go to a good quality studio with good quality jewelry and a, a piercer who's experienced and is using good safe techniques, there, there really shouldn't be any sort of like a visual difference to the nipple other than it just being a little bit more blinged out. So this last one says, uh, hi, yesterday I got my septum pierced. My piercer told me I can wash it with water and soap in the shower, but it still hurts. How long does it take to stop hurting so I can be able to touch it and wash it? I know it depends on the person. Just an estimate will help, thanks. So um, a couple different things can cause pain in a piercing, especially something like a septum. Uh, usually my first guess is going to be dried discharge on the jewelry. If you have a little bit of that, uh, that dried buildup on the jewelry and the jewelry moves around abruptly, whether it's an accident or whether it's you moving it intentionally, you can kind of create like a little scratch on the opening of the piercing and you can definitely get like a sharp pinchy sensation. Um, cleaning off that discharge is, is one of the best ways to avoid it. I would say that soap and water would, would not be my go-to for aftercare on a septum. Um, if you're using soap up in the nose, that, that's really easy to, uh, to overdry the, the mucous membrane inside the nose, really irritate the, the piercing, and that can actually lead to more discharge rather than less. So typically what I would suggest would be spraying your uh, aftercare solution, usually uh, wound wash saline, onto a Q-tip and lightly wiping off that dried buildup that might be on the jewelry. Um, don't use your fingers, don't use your fingernail to pick it off because you're, you're most likely going to uh, traumatize or, or irritate that piercing. Uh, once all that jewelry is uh, nice and clean, all that buildup is removed, that, that should really help to minimize the chances of you getting that pinchy sensation. But uh, also placement is a, is a big part of a comfortable septum piercing. If a piercer is placing them a little too high, uh, kind of right up against the cartilage or maybe even through the cartilage, any pressure applied to that jewelry, especially a bump from the underside, is really going to send kind of a shockwave through your nose and you're, you're really going to feel it. So a lot of piercers will agree that the kind of correct spot for placement of a septum Septum piercing is in that kind of squishy sweet spot. You know, it's a, a little bit below the cartilage, um, but you still have plenty of healthy tissue. It'll still look really nice, um, and it can be a lot more comfortable for the person long term. So it's kind of tough to say if that's a factor without seeing your actual piercing. But I would say, uh, you know, the, the easiest thing you can probably do is maybe cut out the soap, switch over to a wound wash saline on a Q-tip, lightly wipe off that dry discharge, and you might find that it's going to be a little bit more comfortable for you. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the show this week. I'll be back next week uh, with another guest, most likely. Uh, keep in mind that I still have a lot of those classes open for uh, for booking. Uh, I think Chicago is pretty much closed off for now. I'm at kind of maximum capacity for that. I still have some seats available for my class uh, June 4th in San Francisco. You can find the information at precisionbodyarts.com backslash seminars. I am just about to announce a date and a venue and registration for a London class in, uh, in mid-June. And I've got some other ones coming down the pipeline too, Portland, Oregon. And I have been talking to a, a group of Canadians about uh, maybe doing a class somewhere around Toronto. So keep your ears open to that and uh, stay tuned. I'll, I'll catch you next week. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. 
Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.